Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is Desiree Dubois, founder of An Empowered Woman, and Let's Talk Success. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with a few of our empowered women with the topic of Build It and They Will Come. Now, we do work with different women in starting fiction and building their businesses. And time to time we get into these conversations where we're always talking about good, bad, right, wrong, and what are the best practices. So I have the pleasure of um, introducing you to Dr. Gail Jackson. Good morning. Good morning, Dr. Gail Jackson. Good morning, Good morning. Desiree. How are you? Good morning. Can you hear me? I'm so excited to be here. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. And Elizabeth Estrada. Good morning, Elizabeth. Hi. Good morning. Thank you so much and for Deborah. putting this group together. No, it's going to be fun. And then Deborah Ferris. Good morning, Deborah. Good morning. I am just honored and excited to be with you ladies today. Great. Lena, I'm just so excited to have this conversation with you ladies because I know that you've had all different experiences and different backgrounds. So let's give them a little idea of what we do. Um, Gail Jackson, what are your, what's your background in your business? <laughs> Oh, Desiree, good morning, um, everyone. Good morning, listening um, guests. Um, I am a obstetrician-gynecologist, and I transitioned from tri- traditional OBGYN to bioidentical hormone balancing uh, primarily because of a, 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 health, a, health, a change in my health. I tore both of uh, my shoulders, and now I focus on keeping women fabulous, keeping women over 40, young, fabulous, and fit. And I'm having such a great time doing it. <laughs> That's what I do. Oh, we <laughs> enjoy it. <laughs> you do. Mm-hmm. And then, Elizabeth, what are you doing? What's your business? Hi. Um, well, I've had several changes. I, I, you know, in a, in a nutshell, I've been in several fields, uh, television, real estate, uh, health care, and now I'm into the media uh, projects, special media projects. So I'm happy to share the ups and downs of all of that. <laughs> and then Deborah, tell us about what business you're in. Yeah, so I'm actually a LinkedIn coach and author. And when my son passed away, I did my first book called LinkedIn for College Students. And I just did the Boomer one because I know where women are today, that so we have the opportunity to do our business, and it's a great way to connect with people. Great. So I know a lot about. Um, all of you, and thank you so much again for joining us. But is it true, build it and they will come? What has been your experiences? <laughs> so, Dr. Jackson, I mean, you've built a great practice yes. over a period of years, and I know there's sometimes where, whether it's seasonal, whether it's, a, you know, whatever the reason is that the business, the people don't come, and you've built it, and you've done a great job of doing that. But what happens when that, you know, what does it feel like, and then what do you do? And it's a constant process. I wanted all our listeners to know that it's not just happens once or twice. If you are fortunate to be in business for any period of time, it's going to happen over and over again. Is that true? Yes. I think you have to take a deep breath first and realize that it's a trend, a trend especially when women are, are spending uh, disposable income because you're probably the last thing you're thinking about around the Christmas holidays, around the summertime. So right now we're – pretty slow, and I was a little concerned, and then my office manager looked back for the previous years, and she said, Dr. Jackson, we're always slow around this time, because everybody's coming back from vacation, coming back from school. I'm getting their kids ready for school. Our business is bioidentical hormone balancing in the form of pellets. 
So um, we mentioned it to our fabulous business coach, who happens to be Miss Desiree, and she came up with this amazing <laughs> idea. We had um, last um, um, Wednesday evening, we, well, I, I really wanted to open from 5 to 7. My staff has younger kids, and they weren't that excited about it, and I have no reason to rush home because my children were all grown. Um, and I remembered in the past that I had a deluge of patients between 5 and 7. I called it happy hour. So um, we try, we're trying to get my staff sort of on board and also trying to show them that it did, it did work. We decided to have what we called a hot flash sale. So last Wednesday from <laughs> 5 to 7, we, we turned up the music. We popped the champagne. No one drank the champagne, but we had apple cider. We had sparkling water. And we discounted our services $50 and basically made it into a party. And I think the previous days we were uh, we were seeing, I mean, the numbers increased by multitude. We saw 14 patients between, like, one and six that day, which was incredible. Um, uh, women, I think we also need to focus on women. Women like festivities. We like to party. We like to be celebrated. Um, you know, we give so much to our families. It's kind, of, it's kind of nice when you turn around and you do something for them, and a woman feels like she's doing something for herself. So that's what we did. Uh-huh. And um, so we, we um, and one one caveat with the event is the women had to pay for their services in advance. So we were able to get immediately a, a little stream of income to carry us until uh, everybody gets back from the holidays and business uh, starts back up. Well, you know, that's amazing because sometimes, like you said, people kind of panic at first. They don't want to know what's happening and they're supposed to thinking of what we could do to you know, to bring that business in, or to when the customers are not coming. So, what about you, Elizabeth? You had hotels, you had real estate, you had almost. I tell people you almost owned the whole town, and <laughs> <laughs> and so what did you do to like? What did it take to to make the customers come? And then what happened? Oh well, in 2004, I had this amazing opportunity to purchase a um, bulk real estate, which included about 200 separate pieces of property. And they were lots, which I had to build on. There were houses that I could rehab and rent or sell. I had a commercial. I had a donut shop. I tried to stay away from that. Mm -hmm. And uh, (laughs) um, it was really quite exciting because I had very limited real estate background until then and it was it it was a booming business um and it was exciting for me um i I, you know one of the things that i really did was depend on my self uh, confidence um because we as women we can do just about anything you know we have to multitask we have to do this and I, i i went in there Sought resources, called counselors, even even you, Desiree. You and I were talking during that time because you you have a background in real estate, and it was quite exciting for me. And then what happened in 2008 with the real estate um, boom, and this was after I had sold lots of property and rehabbed and all of that. Um, the real estate uh, dove in 2008. And I ended up selling things off for very little, uh, and and I had to walk away. Um, One of the things that we had was a hotel. I I had actually been a 50% owner of a hotel, and so I learned quite a bit about about that business. 
and did really, really well. But when the real estate industry um, builds, then you know the even the hotel business and all of the all of the commercial businesses uh, did not do well. So I did have to walk away from a lot of that, and it was tough. So. So when it was booming, what what was what was the what did you do to make the customers come? Were they just already inherited clientele that supported these businesses, or did you have to when you took over? Or did you have to do promotions, or I had like, to what do did you do to make the customers promotion. come? Well, and the initially? usual promotion, of course, you know the the ads and 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 uh, so on. But um, at the time, uh, we we were doing so well because we were providing quality. Um, the the town that we bought, which was in pre- pretty much one area, was um, not at the level that I wanted to see the, the neighborhood. So we really increased the value of the neighborhood and the the, the look of the neighborhood. We we rehabbed a lot of places and and, and we actually contributed to the town of uh, a small town of Taft quite a quite a bit. So people just started hearing about us and started moving there and and plus we were able to because we bought such a bulk sale and we were able to buy things at pennies on a dollar we were able to sell it at a value we didn't have to over sell it we had we had um, we just wanted to make a good profit we didn't want to you know overdo mm-hmm. it so mm-hmm. i think uh i think that helped bring people you know, and having the ethics and uh, and the and doing the right thing for for them, families, so lots of families that didn't have nice homes were able to really enjoy a nice community. Mhm. Amazing. It's just a, it's just very interesting. <clears throat> it's just amazing how one you know one minute, one day, one week, one month, one year, you know, the difference can make. Um. So Deborah, you know, there's a lot of fallacy about if you build your social media, and I know you specialize with LinkedIn, that you can actually have whatever business you have, they will come if you do enough of that. Tell us about your experiences with that and how that's worked and how you've seen it work for other people. Thank you, Desiree. And, you know, like, like <laughs> Elizabeth and, and Dr. Gail, what I found was it's about our story. So for me, with my son passing away, it was beyond – so many coincidences that I did wanted to help other students that wanted to be anthropologists and how this rolls right into women. If, you know, women, we have our children that go to college. But what kids do when they go to college is they go to school to get the skill, but they don't have the connections and the experience, right? So that with me, mm-hmm. just like Elizabeth, I was, in the, I was in the real estate banking meltdown where all of us didn't have a seat anymore. I was the top, you know, for another bank out of 500, I was the top five. And it just seemed like we kept moving seats and moving seats. And so when I started the LinkedIn, helping all these other people, helping them try to find out where they were going to fit in a job in a community, I actually wanted to do the book for LinkedIn for college students. I got reached out by Mike Ferry, who I was with and listed 21 properties in one month, 25 years before. My reason of sharing this is that we all have a story. And the, the thing that goes down to the human behavior is that we need to like, know, and trust someone. And I tell people, if you just start, a broker told me this 30 years ago, with 100 people that like you, know you, and trust you, 
But that's what our stories do. So putting that on LinkedIn in a very succinct way of sharing, you know, how you evolved, and the same for the college students. When they share that, now all of a sudden it's not just the school that gave them the skill. It's the experience that shows their character trait. And it's really important that your tribe gets to see who you are and how you're going to be able to relate to them and be able to help them and connect with them. Because if they like you and they feel like they know you and you share this short little story piece on your LinkedIn, all of a sudden they don't even know why they like you, but it's because you showed the trajectory of your life of where you came from and how that threads into how you can help them. Desiree, may I wow. say something? So, yes. Well said, yes. Deborah. Yeah. Yeah, this is Dr. Gale. You know, I listened to their, the other ladies' stories, and I know my story, and I think that uh, the piece that women should really take home is that when there's a tremendous setback in one aspect of your life, you should never look at it as a failure. You look at it as, as an opportunity for change. Um, I remember when I was skiing and somebody crashed into my shoulder um, on the mountain, and I laid on that mountain, and I said, okay, and I'm very spiritual, and I said, okay, God, since goodness and mercy pursues me, I'm going to watch you work this one out for my good and your glory because I'm a surgeon, and my arm is hanging off my arm. You know, my arm is hanging off my uh, my body. And, um, and I was just really positive and trusting that, and I went from working crazy hours delivering zillions of babies and just up all night and, you know, having no time and working really, really hard for a, lot of, for a good bit of money to a practice now where I wear sundresses. I make probably the same amount of money. Um, I just don't work hardly at all. I don't even go to the hospital for anything. If I, my privilege is at Cedars-Sinai for me to come and say hi to you, make sure you have a good doctor, and I have parking at $200 a year in West L.A. And so you really never know what that next, next, next chapter in your life is. So I think it's important to not really dwell and grieve on a so-called failure, but to understand that it's a part of change and it's part of life and it's an opportunity to really reinvent yourself. And I think the three of us have really reinvented ourselves, and, but mm-hmm. understand all of us have been at that moment where we've been so low because we've looked mm-hmm. at our position of where we are as a failure, but indeed now we have the rest of the story to share that mm-hmm. ended up far from failure. Mm-hmm. Well, beautifully said, and I agree with you 100%. There is no such thing as failure. It's an opportunity to see what you would do, what you did, and what you would do differently going forward. You know, because I give everyone the credit for just trying. If you've tried anything, especially anything beyond, you know, beyond your natural beyond your spirit, then you have succeeded, you know, because a lot of people don't even try. So the fact that you've tried is a success, and if, you, if it didn't go out the way that, or didn't happen the way you planned it to be, then it's just a lesson learned, and, that, and I agree with you 100%. I think everybody has to realize that, you know, but the secret is, is like knowing when to make that change, knowing when the signal is. Is this a signal to say I need to walk away from this? and do something differently or the single that I need to pull another promotion or pull another rabbit out of my hat and to keep them coming. You know, so like, so what are your thoughts on that, ladies? Hey, Desiree, well, I, 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 Desiree, this is well, where yes. I, I, love, I love where you put that, and I'll share why. Because I work with so many people that made a quarter million and they lost their positions as a CEO or CFO, and they're 
struggling and they feel like they're starting all over, but I think that every single one of us would agree, you are never starting over. You walk in with all these skills and reevaluating your character traits oh, yeah, and the skills that you have, there is no starting mm-hmm. over. And reinvention is nice in a way that people get to see how they can twist something for a transformation. But if they get that one mindset, they're not starting over. They're coming with so much more than other people could ever think. You know, people say to me, oh, my gosh, you've forgotten, you've forgotten more than anybody will ever know in what I do, right? That's what <laughs> the truth is. We all have that. Um, I have a, well, I, I, I can tell you, uh, this is Elizabeth, I can tell you that I totally resisted uh, changes. And and what I started finding out, like, because I had all that real estate, I wanted to keep going, keep going. But but, but then as I, I relaxed into it and breathed into it, and then also uh, uh, looking at my face, which Gail had mentioned, the, you know, the fact that, okay, <laughs> You know, I'm not there. I must not be meant to be here. <laughs> you know, they, you know, the universe said, you know, I'm going to destroy all the real estate because you're never going to leave real estate. You have better things to do or other things to do. Let's let's move <clears> on. <throat> and so I stopped resisting. I listened and I changed and I went into something totally different. And it's because I had a lot of faith. And as you said, Deborah, I had a lot of skills that I could use anywhere, uh-huh. and I was able to uh, transition that into, you know, working in the healthcare industry, and and uh, and also now with my media project, and <laughs> I'm attempting to do something that I've never I've never done before, and that is to uh, do a huge international peacekeeper awards. Um, oh. Show, and wow. and uh, you know that's to because what's what's happening right now, right? And it's because I know that I got the, the network, the hundred people that, that we've talked about, that will be a collaborative effort to uh-huh. really recognize the law enforcement <clears throat> and peacekeepers of the world to you know, to bring them forward because we have a lot of negativity in this world and we want to bring a lot more positive out. And so so I hear the, the other two ladies and what they're saying, just the, the faith, the self-confidence of a woman and a, and a person that has experience, you can, you can accomplish so much. And if you just listen to the, the, um, the lessons the universe gives you and says, okay, now you're ready for this, so go ahead. Don't be fearful. You know, move that way. We'll help you. We'll give you the resources you need, and and it happens to me time and time again. Desiree, this is Gail, Dr. Gail. I have two um, examples, and I think these answer the question that you just asked. Like when you're also um, on a pathway, when do you know when to, as they say, when to when to hold and when to fold your cards? Well. <laughs> in my life, um, I was sitting. I was sitting at my desk once, and I actually, you were working with me, and I called you, and I said, "Okay, Desiree." And the thing about it is, and I think um, the ladies will also share is, you have to kind of reach out and start collaborating and getting help before you're at the rock bottom. You know, before you're at an area where you're desperate. So I called you because I said, "Desiree, okay, all right." You know, I've changed offices. I'm doing all these changes. Okay, I only saw three patients today. Okay, I can't continue like this. So I didn't wait until I was just, like, broke or whatever. I said, what do I do? 
And your answer, ladies, you all laughed. Her answer was, when have you thrown a party to celebrate your patients? I'm like, what did you just say? I told you, I, there's no one here today. I don't have my money's low, et cetera, et cetera. But collaborating, my next patient who came in is, was a restaurateur. She had a new restaurant that she wanted to expose the public to. So we ended up having this event. We um, celebrating, and it's so funny because the patients thought it was all about them, but I mean, those of us, you know, we're in business, it's really all about me, but um, they thought yeah. we should do this event <laughs> celebrating my 25 years in practice. You know, and so we called all these patients, and I had women, one woman, I delivered five babies, delivered her five babies, oh. she brought them all, and, you know, these are, they're all grown women now. And um, oh. basically celebrating them and telling them, like, where I, where I was, and then giving them the opportunity to share, let them know what I'm doing now. We had, we had media, so we had at this restaurant, and this woman wanted this clientele. So I think we had, um, we had 160 RSVPs. We had about 90 people show up, and it cost me $1,500, okay, because this woman gave, gave the food hors d'oeuvres at her cost because she wanted people to come. Of course, they ate a little hors d'oeuvres. They were hungry, so most of them stayed and had dinner. So it's really important mm-hmm. to collaborate. And number two is we started um, a series called um, Let's Talk Hormones, Breakfast with Dr. Gale, Let's Talk Hormones at the Lux Hotel. We did it for two years, and you have to, you have to know when to change, um, to change your horses, when to change the flow, or when to change your, um, your, um, your event. Because our last event, um, our closing event, was with um, supermodel Beverly Johnson. And um, those mornings, and we catered them for women who controlled their calendar, so it was 7.30 to 9.30, um, I, would make, I could make it anywhere. The minimum I made was 5000 The most I made was 12000 in a, in a couple of hours for people purchasing my packages, et cetera. But we saw the trend was decreasing. And so we closed it with Beverly Johnson, and we realized it was a time to end that because the cost of doing it wasn't wasn't off the profit from it wasn't offsetting the cost of doing the procedure but then but that coincided with me moving into my own new space so now we do a similar event collaborating with other people so we find people who know nothing about us so we can who are very interesting and they have things in common for instance this this Thursday we have an event with a man who delivers a gourmet food to um, your home and we do the HCG diet he delivers HCG diet meals to the home. So we're sharing that information with our patients, and he has lots of clients who, have, who don't know anything about hormone balancing but want to eat, you know, want to be balanced and whatever. So he's bringing his clients. I'm bringing my clients. And interesting, ladies, when you come to the event, it looks very informal and relaxed, but it is so organized and so, so formal because these, uh, my co-speakers uh, sign a contract, basically agreeing to what they're going to do. We don't, as Desiree laughed, she said, anyone can get up and talk in front of an audience. But, you know, you, when you're going to come, you're obligated to at least bring 10 people to this event, and I bring and work my database and bring 10 people. So, um, so we have an event, and we both share our, our information with new clients. So I think number one is I was able to throw an event to um, attract more patients, and I think that evening that Celebration, 25-year celebration translated about $30,000 worth of business and a lot of people knowing about me, a lot of posting on the Internet because a lot of Facebook posts. And then when we, when we stop the events, the Let's Talk Hormones, we now have them in my office and they're pure, you know, they're pure profit. So because it's just a few bottles of champagne and 
you know, some hors d'oeuvres. And um, so I think that's, those are two good examples of how to reach out and collaborate with others and how to end one trend of um, events when it looks like it's not producing as it is and to change it to another venue. Very good, you know, idea because some of the questions is, you know, again, how do you keep the clients coming, your customers right. coming? And so being able to do different events, and I know when we suggested that even to you, it was like totally out of the box for a doctor to be giving breakfasts for free and having speakers and TV shows and things of that type, but you were open to do uh-huh. it. So I think that's a really important point that you as a business person need to be open to different ideas that come from different suggestions, even if it's non-traditional for your industry, because that's even more reason why, because they'll be, attract that curiosity. And the people will be curious, like, oh, my gosh, I've never been to this before. I've never seen this before. I've never done this before. And then also, so you're really open to that. Some people are not, so that was to your advantage. And another thing is collaborating. Again, being able to you there's always somebody else out there that needs business as well. I tell people that every business place needs more traffic. You know, everybody wants more. So being able to collaborate and say, you, your list, and my list, and mix our list together, and then together you can benefit from it. Um, and then, so what if, and so thank you for sharing that because those who are, are in business now and the customers have slowed down, I think, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So, Deborah, what are some of the things that, working with the social media, that you would recommend people to do? At this point, they're realizing what could they use with social media that would immediately kind of bring in some traffic, some create some energy around what they're doing. Yep, because that is 100% free and 100% you know available. Yep, Desiree, thank you. So I think one of the most important things because when you're building a profile and you're, you're you know you build it and they will come. And so we talked about the story, but the next and very important piece is to create a little snippet, and I and I call it tribes. Pick your three tribes. So for in real estate, it, you would be like maybe maybe you're marketing to for um, agents. If you were a real estate coach, agents who work with buyers, then maybe agents that work with sellers, or maybe a broker that's going to be hiring. Identify what those three tribes look like for you. And a PAR is what people use when they're uh, putting their resumes to get a job, but it is the most powerful thing they can use for their LinkedIn. And a PAR is what is the problem, what's the action that you took, and how did you resolve it. And it's usually percentage or dollar, but I love to add make a difference because if somebody like a Tony Robbins was going to be your client and uh, he had a child that was going to be, uh, you know, wanted to make a wish, right, so doing something that made a difference would be speaking to that one particular tribe. So find three people that would be different tribes for you and then speak to them in those two little, three little sentences, three different tribes. And when people are looking at your profile, they're raising their hand and saying, that's me, that's me, this is the person I can collaborate with or help me or how they evolve in their, their journey, right? So I, I really think it's important that you speak to the people, not just uh, you know go around and say how great I am, but speak to the people that need your help so they know you're the person that can help them. Okay, and then so has there been any, any ways that you've known once you do that that people have actually generated cash by doing something on the social media, like bringing in customers into the door? So after you get to your tribe, how about promotions or how about sales? Or, there's one gentleman that did something where he had post, post, post on LinkedIn 
at the end of his post, he always gives them valuable information, step one, step two, step three, step four, and so forth. At the end of mm-hmm. it, he says, if you want a private session with him, you click here. And when you click here, it takes you to Clarity. And Clarity is that service that, you know, where people can pay. He actually charges, um, was it, uh, for, uh, for 15 minutes, it's uh, $10 per minute. I think it's $150 for 15 minutes. So he's able. So it actually leads you to almost like a cash register because in order to be able to speak to him, but I went. I went to talk to him. He was talking about crowdfunding. So I went there, and actually it takes you to a cash register where if you click there, you can book the time, and you simply pay through PayPal and Clarity. The um, you pay the uh, you pay the amount. So that's one way that someone has actually brought clients to them, brought cash to them, and utilizing the social media. And you just post the information, and people follow it through. Is there anything else uh-huh. that you think? Well, we have a couple is, minutes left, all, lady. But it's all in, mm-hmm. It is all in the follow-up, absolutely. But if they if they look at your profile and they don't feel the connection and, and the relatability, so that's actually key mm-hmm. to your authenticity and being able to see. But you can create things in the messaging that you send them after, like um, uh, um, Sales Monkey, where basically it's the same thing. You're giving them a message, and whatever that one, two, three is, and then they click on it, Survey Monkey. And then by that way, they're actually identifying themselves that they need your services. So very similar to what you're saying, but I, I like the way that yours goes right into a cash register. <laughs> well, some clients would agree. All right, ladies, you have only a few minutes left. So in closing, um, you know, the topic is, and if you build it, it will come, true or false. What are your thoughts that say true? It will come only if you do what? So, yes, if you build it, they will come. That's true only if you do what? Can you fill in that blank? Mm-hmm. Dr. Gail Jackson? Elizabeth? Oh, yes, um, <laughs> uh, This is Elizabeth. I, um, if, if you, no matter what you do, if you have quality 